Welcome to The Spotter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the everyday challenges facing today's ministry leaders. It is necessary to stay close to someone who will challenge you to grow, do more, reach higher, and dream bigger. You should never allow yourself to be the strongest person in the room. You need a spotter. Here's your host, Jeff Wolf. Hello, folks. Thanks for joining me this week for the podcast. Hope you're doing well. Today, I'm sporting my Back to Blue t-shirt. I'm so appreciative of all of the first responders, uh, emergency workers, specifically my brothers and sisters in blue, the law enforcement community. So I want to give you part two of the revealed Christ in this week's podcast. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 24, and I want to read some of this to you. Beginning with verse 13, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. I want to stop there and and, uh, mention this. Several years ago, I heard a prominent preacher by the name of Paul Henson preach on this passage, and here was his title. I love it. It stayed with me all of these years. I've used it. His title was Seven Miles of Sadness to a Table of Gladness. And he preached it in a manner I'll never be able to. Uh, But it was a powerful message. This is a powerful passage. Let me go on. Verse 14, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Can I just stop there at the end of verse 18 and say, I've made these kinds of statements to the Lord in prayer, the same kind of statement that Cleopas made. There have been times that I've been going through things and I've said to the Lord, You must be the only one who hasn't heard what I'm going through. Going on with verse 19, Jesus answered and he said, What things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. I'm going to skip down to verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would come to suffer all of these things before entering his glory? Verse 28, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting so late. So he went home with them as they sat down to eat. He took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. That moment Jesus disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures 
to us. Wow, what a powerful passage. There is so much meat, uh, so much revelation in that passage. And I just want to share out of my heart with you and give you a few thoughts from Luke chapter 24 about this Emmaus Road experience. It's been called seven miles to a miracle. It's been called seven miles of sadness to a table of gladness. Whatever it is, it represents the revelation of Jesus. I want to point out, first of all, that Cleopas and whoever it was traveling with him were going home. They were going back to Jerusalem after the after the uh, uh, Passover, after the uh, event, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They were going home. They obviously were full of sorrow. The Bible says here in this passage that we read that when Jesus, whom they had not yet recognized, spoke to them, they stopped and they looked upon him, their faces full of sorrow. So they were taking this walk. And of all of his followers, why did Jesus appear to these two as they were walking home? Of all of his followers, of all of the places and people that Jesus could have appeared why these two? I'll tell you why. Because when you are going home hopeless, empty-handed, without vision, and traumatized, Jesus cares. When you're limping back to your house, having gone through the trials and tribulations of the day, having experienced disappointment and frustration and betrayal and anger and confusion about what's going on around you, Jesus cares, and he's there to walk the walk with you. The Emmaus Road walk is representative of the journey that you and I are on and the fact that Jesus is on the journey, whether you recognize him or you don't. You see, Jesus ultimately took his leave of them, but before he did, he sat down with them in Cleopas' home, and he revealed himself. They had a knowledge of Jesus, but not a revelation of Jesus. As they walked along, they talked, and they knew about Jesus. They had a knowledge of him, but they didn't have the revelation of him yet. There's a lot of people that know about Jesus, but they don't have the revelation of Christ Jesus in which their redemption is held and provided for. And it's you and I, it's our job, it's our job to make him known, to know him and make him known so that people will make that transformation from just knowledge of him to an experience in the revelation of him. The revealed Christ is linked to the breaking of bread. The revealed Christ is linked to the breaking of bread he called himself the bread of life. So symbolically, the revealed Christ is linked to the broken Christ. Now, there's a lot of symbolism and a lot of prophecy. I don't have time to go through all that and chase rabbit trails, but he was broken for us. And just as at the Passover meal, he broke the bread and he blessed it and he gave it. And here at Cleopas' house, he broke the bread and he blessed it and he gave it. The fact that he calls himself the bread of life is a mirror image of, of 
what is happening to this bread in the sacrament that we would refer to as communion. Jesus is demonstrating that even as I have broken this bread and given to you, my body was broken and given to you the revealed Christ, the revelation of the work of Christ is in the breaking of bread. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you like he did to Cleopas in your house in your despair, in your hour of need, in your confusion, in your uncertainty. When Jesus came to Cleopas and his fellow traveler on the road, he approached them. He came near them in Luke 24 and 15. And as they talked, the Bible said that God kept them from recognizing him. Now, I have some theories about this. It and, and I'll share that in just a moment. But as they walked and talked, Jesus was just near. He was not yet revealed. But in verse 31, a word is used, a Greek word is used to describe when they finally recognized Jesus. Now listen to what I'm about to say. The Greek word used in verse 31 to describe their recognition of Jesus is a pigonosco. It means to come to know by directing my attention to. It's almost as if you are in the same room, you are aware that they are there, uh, but you don't recognize them until you turn yourself, turn your eyes, turn your body, and focus upon their face. And suddenly you realize who it is. I had this experience just the other day. Might have been because I didn't have my glasses on. But I was in the grocery store. And uh, another law enforcement officer who is uh, someone I worked with on a regular basis. I was just kind of glancing around the room, just kind of waiting in line to check out. And this person passed and I didn't really recognize him until I stopped and I turned and focused on his face. And suddenly I realized who it was. It happens a lot, maybe because sometimes I'm not as perceptive as I used to be. I'm just kind of zoned out, you know, waiting in the line to check out, looking at all the candy and the things that I don't need. But that seems to be how this is characterized. I don't believe that Jesus was wearing some kind of supernatural disguise that kept Cleopas and his fellow traveler from knowing and recognizing him. I believe it was because they were not focusing on his face. Their faces were overtaken with sorrow. So while they were walking with Jesus and Jesus had drawn near to them, he wasn't recognized until they turned their direction and they focused on him and they focused on his face and boom, it came to them. This is Jesus. Didn't our hearts burn within us as we walked and talked? What they're saying here, listen to what I'm saying. What they're saying there is, our hearts were burning because of his voice and his words, but we had not yet looked in his face and recognized who it was. 
our hearts knew it was him because his words were burning in us. But now we've been enlightened. He's revealed himself to us. We have come to know him by directing our attention to Jesus had always been near, but he was not always recognized. Isn't that true today? That Jesus is always near, but he's not always recognized. I could stop there and I could preach all day long. Jesus is always near, but he's not always recognized. Recognition of him being uh, in the revelation of Jesus only comes when you stop and you direct your attention. You change your direction and look him in the face, and then he is revealed. Now, if I were to go back to the first part of the revealed Christ that I did two weeks ago, to John chapter 20, as Jesus uh, comes upon Mary Magdalene, who's at the tomb after his resurrection, and and uh, he walks up behind her and says, uh, uh, you know, why are you weeping? Why? Are, what, what are you here for? John chapter 20, verse 16, uh, this is what happens. You know what happens, that Mary turns and thinks that he's the gardener doesn't recognize him right away. She turns, she's been talking to an angel. Now, listen, if I'm standing at the tomb of Jesus, if I am Mary standing at the tomb of Jesus, and I'm having a conversation with the angel, and the angel is saying, why do you stand here look for, uh, looking for the living among the dead? And somebody walks up behind me, I may glance around, uh, 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 you know, and and... And it may be somebody that I know really well, but if I'm talking to an angel, whoever's behind me talking is really not important. You know what I'm saying? My conversation's going to be fixed on the angel. And, and she even talks to Jesus. She even says to him, thinking he must be the gardener. Uh, she even says to him, if you, if you know where they've laid him, please tell me and I will take him. And then he spoke her name. <laughs> he, in his familiar, calming, loving voice, said, Mary. And it's at that point that she did exactly what Cleopas and the fellow traveler did. She changed her direction. She turned around and called him teacher. The Greek word for turned there and knew him and recognized him as strafo, which means to change my direction. This describes Mary's revelation of Jesus. She originally turned to look at him, but then she must have turned away again because when he called her name, she changed her direction of focus to look at him and immediately recognized him as Jesus. It's almost as if in both cases, their failure to recognize Jesus was not due to this, what I call a supernatural disguise, whether here in this passage in John 20 with Mary Magdalene or in Luke 24 with Cleopas and his fellow traveler. It wasn't because Jesus was wearing some kind of supernatural disguise, but because their eyes were clouded with sorrow, the sorrow of the moment, the pain of the moment, the, the disappointment of the moment. So Jesus had to redirect their attention. The revelation of Jesus is tied to the direction of your attention. What did Jesus do to direct 
or redirect their attention. In Mary's case, he called her by name. He said, Mary, this is the same Mary who's, who was saved from a stoning because Jesus stooped down on the ground and rode in the dust of the earth and forgave her that very day. This is the Mary that loved him, that had washed his feet with the hair of her head. This was Mary who had spent much time and effort drawing close to him and worshiping him. And she called, he called her name and it redirected her attention. In Cleopas' case, he entered into his house and drew his attention by taking the bread and blessing it. Now, what is, what is Jesus doing as he sits down to dinner with Cleopas? He takes the bread and he blessed it, meaning he's talking to the Father. Father, thank you for this bread that you've provided. And when Jesus began to pray, the prayer of Jesus directed, redirected Cleopas and got his attention. In both cases, Jesus did something to get their attention. What has God done to get your attention? The revealed Christ. He is revealed to you when he redirects your attention. Certainly the crisis, the current common crisis of our day has captured our attention. Surely it has led us to change the direction of our focus toward God. And I want to challenge you today. Turn off the television. Turn off the news. At this point, it's nothing but poison. It's a controlled message. And we've got to shut it off. Get back in the book and hear the voice of the Lord. Let him take your eyes off of your sorrow, off of your situation, and let him redirect your focus so that he can reveal himself to you. I believe with all of my heart that there is a great revival coming. On the heels of a global crisis comes a global revival. I believe it with all of my heart, and I expect to see it. I'm ready. You're ready. The church is ready. We must be ready for the harvest because it's going to be great. God bless you. I love you. Thanks for taking these few moments with me. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Subscribe to The Spotter on any major podcast provider. Visit us at jeffwolf.org for more information. And follow Jeff Wolf on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To receive a copy of Jeff's newest project, absolutely free, 10 Reasons Why Pastors Are in Danger, text the word RESTORED to 31996. Message and data rates may apply. Remember to join us next week. Be blessed.